Can they hear us now? Good. Come on, nation. What up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 166. You heard that right. Episode 166 of Combos Court. And I am Combo. Let me know how you feel about this episode right in the comment section of your Apple Podcast app. Share this episode with a friend via social media or word of mouth. We here at Combos Court would greatly appreciate it. Today's show, Keith Smith of Yahoo Sports joins in. You could find Keith on Twitter at KeithSmithMBA. That's K-E-I-T-H-S-M-I-T-H-N-B-A. You know you could find me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. A great conversation with Keith. Can't wait for you guys to hear this one. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Keith Smith, Yahoo Sports. Welcome to Combos Court, man. How you feeling? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Oh, anytime, anytime. So this is really interesting, Keith. Uh, things have come full circle for you. you. You worked at Disney for years, and then you became basically working full-time with the NBA in terms of writing for Yahoo. You have sources and insights that others just don't have, and you actually broke this story when it comes to Disney. Um, you actually guaranteed at one point the NBA would come back. Can you share more with us? Yeah, um, I, yeah, I can start with. I worked for Disney for nearly 20 years, uh, the vast majority of that time at Walt Disney World here in Central Florida. I was in uh, California at Disneyland for about a year and a half before the company moved my wife and I back here to Florida. But it's so it's uh, mostly been here at uh, in in Florida. And then, as you you said, I, I did leave the company. I left the company about. Um, roughly three weeks before the season shut down. I, I had finally put together enough freelance and part-time work that I was going to be able to uh, cover the NBA full-time and still uh, support my family and make a living. So I did that, and my timing is nothing if not impeccable because three, <laughs> weeks, three weeks later, the season shut down and went on pause. But looks like we're going to be coming back strong here in, you know, uh, let's call it a month, month and a half-ish. Yeah, so Keith, you know, I always thought Vegas would be the move because I, I, I'm, I'm actually a guy who goes to Vegas. Uh, I've been there the last two summers, and I felt like you could just put those teams in the spots where Summer League would be. You know, your story makes sense because it's easier to make a bubble in Disney. Um, so what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that, that was what I went to. So, you know, if you remember back, I know it feels like the season's been gone forever, but it was really only a couple months ago, about two and a half months now, I guess. Yeah. But when it first shut down, it looked like it was only going to be a couple weeks. It, that was what we're all hearing. And it was you know, a couple weeks, we're all going to hang out at home and then everything will move back on the way it was. And then when it was clear that it wasn't going to be, we started hearing, well, how could they save the NBA season? And there was proposals of, well, they should play on cruise ships, which which was maybe one of the craziest ideas I've ever heard. Yeah. 
because, you know, I, I've been on multiple cruises. I don't know where they were putting basketball courts on cruise ships. And I know people, oh, did my, I went on a ship with one. Yeah, probably had one that was, you know, roughly the size of a half cord and netting that blocked anything more than about right. a 10-foot jumper. You yep. know, <laughs> so yep. it was like, I, I don't think that's happening. And then, um, you know, so then it started into the single site ideas and Las Vegas, I think, it makes a lot of sense and initially comes to mind for folks because of the NBA's relationship with Las Vegas, as far as things like summer league, which is, you know, held out there every year and they do a great job with it. And I think that makes a lot of sense. But for me, I, having been to summer league, gosh, you know, several years running now, I, I was thinking about, well, you know, the hotels aren't really close to UNLV. I mean, they're close, but it's still, you know, pretty right. good distance to get down there. It's a, it's a real city where people live and work. It's, it's, you know, all public access and right of ways. And how are you going to shut things down and create that bubble? And I really started thinking Disney has all the basketball facilities. They have just as many hotel rooms available as Las Vegas does. Why not Walt Disney world? Because they can offer everything. Plus the advantage of being private property where they can basically say this section you're, you're out. If unless you're here for the NBA, you're out, you're, you're not getting anywhere near it. And I think that's why for me, it makes the most sense as a, as a location. And I know that private property ability to control access is one of the things that's really been attractive to the NBA. How much of a real bubble do you feel this will be? How strict will it be? Um, yeah, I think it's going to be somewhere in between the, the initial thoughts of this is a bubble and you're not going to be able to get out at all. And if you do, you're out and that's it. And um, what Jared Dudley said of players will be able to kind of come and go. I think it's going to be free movement within the areas that they're allowed access to, but I don't know that players are going to be really allowed to leave and, you know, go you know to downtown Orlando for those folks who haven't been to Walt Disney World Walt Disney World is often talked about as being in Orlando but it's about 20 miles from downtown so it's a significant distance and you know and I hear people saying well they're just going to run off to Tampa well um, but I think you know the NBA is going to you know strongly encourage that the NBA personnel including the players don't do that and that they stick around the area and I think they're going to do everything they can to keep them entertained and at the end of the day I think most teams that I've been talking to and players have been talking to they're looking at this as kind of a business trip of we're going here to try and win a championship let's all stay locked in and you know focused on that goal versus all the other things that go along with it Keith Dame Lillard came out and said I won't play meaningless games I have an idea what the motivation would be for the NBA community as a whole but um for those teams out of the playoff picture what do you feel their motivation would be in terms of a return for an NBA season Money. I mean, that's the, the reality. It's all about money for them. There's very little reason. I know the Atlanta Hawks uh, said, I believe it was their GM said to Woj is, you know, we've got a young roster. We're trying to figure out what we've got in them and they want to play. They're hungry to prove themselves. And there, there's definitely truth in that. I believe that as well. But the real motivation for the, for the vast majority of those players and owners is money. They can get to 70 games. If they come back, that seems to be the goal is get everybody to 70 games games that's when the vast majority of the regional sports network contracts will fulfill and at that point those teams are going to see more money coming in than they would otherwise and that's really important right now because this season obviously has seen a massive revenue hit next year is going to see a revenue hit because we're not going to have fans or at least not the amount of fans in the buildings as we usually would so that's going to be very different and I think for them the idea is get back in there 
get everybody paid. A rising tide lifts all boats here. And we're all part of the same league. If we can all help bring in money, then this is important to all of us to do our part. Keith, uh, Disney is not your only expertise. Your, uh, your other expertise is, you know, the CBA, cap, financial situations within the NBA. If this season weren't to return, which I know you are very confident that it will, what would that mean for the NBA as a whole? Yeah, catastrophe. It's um, going to be really, really bad. There is, you know, if they allowed the the uh, CBA mechanisms, which is the, the basketball-related re- income or BRI, to drive the salary cap, that's the primary driver of what the formula is for creating the salary cap. You could see a cap that's anywhere from 25 to $30 million lower than the current projections for reference. That current projection is $115 million for next season. That could drop as low as $85, $90 million, which those are numbers we haven't seen in a few years as the cap has steadily risen, including that big cap spike a, a few years back. So what the NBA, I expect them to do is even – you know, with the revenue loss that they've already taken in, they're looking at a pretty hefty drop. But I think what you're going to see them do is work with the Players Association to do some special bargaining. It's not a regular thing, but it's not entirely uncommon either, where they can come to an agreement of maybe we need to put a bottom as far as how low we'll let the cap drop. Maybe they say it's no lower than this current season or low, no lower than $100 million or something like that, because that protects those players right now. It protects this this summer's crop of free agents and then it doesn't then from the owner side it protects them from when things are back to normal in a couple of years another massive cap spike of you know 15 16 20 million that allows those owners to not have to then shell out these massive contracts there you can kind of phase it in a little bit better and i think that's something um we heard a lot of rejecting of the caps moving before when the spike was there but that's because you were trying to keep salaries artificially low here you're trying to keep them artificially high on the front end and i think that makes all the difference keith you're very familiar with disney um tell me more about the layout the logistics of how you think things will get done when this nba season does return Sure. Yeah. I, I think the where, where it all starts is the hotels and housing. Uh, just doing a little play, playing Disney detective here. I uh, <laughs> went on and, and looked and it's, um, you know, the one of the hotels that is uh, completely unavailable on the Disney site to book in the month of July is the Coronado Springs Resort. Coronado Springs is Disney's primary convention hotel. They just opened in the last year a massive um, tower, which really rivals anything else that you would see out there for convention business that is absolutely beautiful the rooms are all gorgeous and they're trying to attract that high-end convention business um then they have you know several thousand other rooms outside of the tower that are spread out all around this pretty big resort campus just for coronado springs itself in addition there's over 220,000 square feet of convention space which could be converted into any number of things for the nba it could be made into meeting rooms it could be made into dining rooms i think that is likely to be one of the hotels um if at all possible put things together but Disney has a lot of options for housing the players and then the basketball facilities over at the ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex are fantastic they have three primary arenas that would be used in the in this venture 
first is the HP Fieldhouse. The HP Fieldhouse is, um, it's currently used every year over Thanksgiving week to host the Advocare Invitational, which is a, a major college basketball tournament. It's a division one tournament. There's multiple ranked teams and NCAA tournament teams in that tournament every year. It's all broadcast ready. Think of it like a mid uh, high level mid major gym um, okay. is what it kind of looks like. If you're trying to get an idea of what, what it might look like, there's a lot of pictures of it online as well. Then there's another building on the property. It's, it's aptly named the arena. It doesn't have a sponsor attached to it. Um, it is, uh, was primarily built to host cheer and dance competitions as those have continued to explode in popularity. Now Disney hosts several of the major cheer and dance competitions at the uh, youth high school and college level. So one of the things that they um, have the ability to do there though, is convert that into another um, game court. And I've been in there when they've had basketball courts set up in there in the past. So my assumption is that, facility the arena and the hp Fieldhouse become your kind of two primary game facilities think of them if you if you've ever watched summer league think of it like thomas and mac and the cox pavilion no, those are your right. two game facilities then there's a third building on the property called the visa center the visa center i liken it akin to an airplane hangar it's this big wide open multi-purpose space that can be configured into whatever you need i've been in there when they've had as many as 12 to 15 courts set up at a time for the junior your NBA world championships and the AAU national championships. So I wouldn't presume they'd have that many set up, but you could maybe set up six courts with dividers and partitions in between them and the like, and that would become your main practice area. And that's, you know, that's your basketball hub is all right there at the ESPN by world of sports complex. Keith, we know Adam Silver ranks highest in terms of influence of getting the season started. We know the star players rank really high. Where do scientists rank in all of that? Yeah, probably right behind those, those two, I think are, you know, they're, they're really the most important. And I, I would use, I'm going to lump Adam Silver and the owners all together as one, because that's who he works for. That's who he represents. And then the players clearly, if the players were really against doing this, I think the NBA would say, then we're not doing it. I truly believe the NBA is not going to force anybody into doing anything they don't want to do. And so far the reaction has been, you know, overwhelmingly we want to play. And a lot of that's financial motivated and I don't have an issue with that they're no different than a lot of us are in the world where you know hey I need my paycheck I, I want to make what I can right. I've been telling the story I would talk to a player uh, back probably three-ish weeks or so ago now he's he's in his first year in the league he's on a team that's really bad and has no shot at making the playoffs but he is on a one-year deal and he's looking at it as this might be my only year in the NBA I need to make as much money as I possibly can on this one year and that's not you know some something that the, the LeBrons of the world, they, they understand that. They get that. And they, they work hard to make sure their entire you know, league is taken care of. So the NBA and the players being in this together is really important. But they're only going to do this if, if science says, you know, we can. If the medical personnel says, we can do this. Here's how we're going to do it. Here's what we need to do uh, as we get here. Here's what we need to do when we're here. And here's what we need to do if there is an outbreak or, or even, you know, a single case or whatever the case is. This is what it needs to be. There, That's the only way this is going to happen. And so far, everything's getting those green lights from all parties involved, which is what gives me the confidence to say we're definitely going to see this season return. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. And uh, to your point about you speaking to the guy who might only have one year in the league, that's where a lot of people might have a problem with Dame Lillard's stance. Yeah, you know, I, it's 
It's interesting. I think of that as um, the look at what LeBron said right as the season was kind of getting shut down of, I'm not going to play if there's no fans. That's who I play for. And he backtracked on that within a matter of days. I think it's, it's one of those things where guys will say things in the heat of the moment. But the reality is, if you're the Portland Trailblazers and they say, yeah, you, you're not going to go to the playoffs. Now they're in playoff contention. So I think if they do some form of modified schedule or playoff uh, play in tournament or whatever that looks like, they're going to be a team that has a chance. But if they didn't, I think it doesn't really make sense to me. Like let's use the Warriors as an example. They basically said, you know, we're not going to play Steph. There's no way Clay's going to play. I'd be surprised if we even see Draymond Green play. Um, I think what you're thinking if you're the Warriors is we sit these guys out all the time in the NBA when bad teams are completely out of it. They're star players. That's when they have back spasms or a, uh, has a completely different connotation now, but they have flu-like symptoms or something like that. And they, they just don't play in those games. And you let the younger guys play out the string. That's not really any different to me if that's the approach that these teams take, because that's really what you've turned this into. And I don't have a huge issue with that. If, if you, you know, do put real stakes on it, I think you're going to see the players show up and they're going to give it their best shot. Uh, if you watch any of the major platforms lately, you're seeing a lot of one verse 16 talk instead of East West. Is this realistic? Uh, yeah, it is realistic. I think the number one thing that has always killed that when it has come up in the past has been the travel. The, the, the NBA doesn't want to deal with the um, Miami heat playing the Portland trailblazers. That's the example that's already always right. used rather. Cause right. they got to, you know, they'd have to crisscross the entire country up to four times in a series. So, in a so you're period. saying, so you're saying that wouldn't be sustainable. That would only be for this year. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I'm thinking is, you know, or at least give it a shot, see what it looks like. I think the NBA, more so than a lot of leagues, is really good about taking lemons and making lemonade out of it yeah. and saying, you know, hey, this is what we get dealt. Let's, you know, let's, let's experiment here. Let's have a little bit of fun. Let's see what this maybe looks like. Let's, you know, if this is a chance to try something and do it a little bit different, they would. Now, where that problem, where that uh, proposal is, is running into a problem is, in most years when we hear all the, the clamoring for it should be just, you know, 16 teams with the best records it's because there's a couple teams in the west who have better records than the bottom teams in the east well that doesn't exist this year the the eight teams in the east would have got in no matter what and the eight teams in the west you know we're gonna get in so that doesn't really change things too much there and i think you know there is a potential i talked to someone with the league today who his opinion on it is we've already got enough to do to make this happen. This is not you know, going to be an easy thing to pull off at all. Why do we have to add more complicating factors? Let's just get there and do what we do. Keith, we hear the words cap smoothing. We hear the words amnesty. What do you make of all of it in terms of what the landscape of the NBA will look like in the future? in the immediate future, shall I say? Sure. Yeah. I think I touched a little bit on the cap smoothing. I I think that is going to be some form of that is going to be what happens. I don't think they're going to allow the the cap to completely bottom out the way it would if they just use the BRI formula to, to develop it. As far as that goes um, that, that I think will happen. They're going to make that work. And amnesty clause is an interesting one. There are definitely teams who are in favor of that. They think it makes a lot of sense. They think it could help teams avoid the luxury tax for on, the higher end of the scale if the cap really drops and that's something some teams are pushing for but there's just as many who are saying hey wait a minute we've kept our books clean we don't have any bad contracts you know why why are we giving these guys a get out of jail free card because they made a bad signing you know a year or two ago so that's going to be interesting the players it you know 
they don't really care if there's an amnesty clause or not because the way the amnesty clause works is they still get paid the full amount. So if you're a $30 million player, you get your 30 million. But what does that mean for your value going forward when you're amnesty? Don't you think? Uh, it like, does, I mean, it's, it doesn't change much than if you were just straight waived. You know, I think, think okay. the, the league knows with those guys, you know, hey, you're not a $30 million player anymore. Right. And no one's going to look at that as, well, that guy was amnestied. You know, that means he's not a, you know, a $30 million guy. You're only getting amnestied because you're not a $30 million guy. But okay. but if I'm a player, I'm going to take my $30 million, take that, and then I'll sign with somebody for $5 million the next year, and off we go. You know, because then I made $35 million this year from the team benefit. It's just that number comes off the, the salary cap, off the luxury tax, and they move forward you know, with a little bit cleaner cap sheet. Keith, I know you're very busy, very busy, so a few more before uh, you get out of here. Um, I know we might be jumping a little bit ahead of ourselves with this one, but have you heard anything in terms of crowd noise or having the players mic'd up? What have you heard in terms of that? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there. Is the the crowd noise? If that happens, it sounds like it'll be what they're doing in the Bundesliga in Germany, where that's a broadcast thing only. The players can't hear that on the field. Um, that's that's only for you watching on TV. And that seems like something that they may do. I, I know that they've been talking to the broadcasters themselves to tell them, you know, hey, we're going to need you to keep up a steady commentary even more because a really good broadcaster, the very best ones, they know when to just kind of stay quiet and let the crowd speak for what's happening in the game. Um, we see that on a pretty regular basis. So they're telling them, you know, there's not going to be that. So you're going to have to keep that up. As far as miking up the players or really letting us hear a lot of what's going on, there's been a lot of back and forth on that. And there are a lot of people who are, wait a minute, I don't know. You know, well, there'll definitely be some form of mic'd up players and we'll hear more than we're used to. But I, I think it's going to be a lot like what it was at Orlando Summer League um, back in the day because that one was closed off to, to fans. There was no fans. It was only media and NBA personnel and agents and scouts in the building. And what you had there was you could hear a lot of what was going on on the court. And you'll hear some things like, you know, let them shoot or, you know, get up on him or, or whatever the case is. And you'll hear some of that, but you're not going to hear all the trash talking and you're definitely not going to want the, the coaches are not going to be cool with, you know, Hey, let's break down every you know thing I tell my team on the court. That's not going to be anything they want either. Right. I mean, I've heard tape delay might be an option, but uh, you know, who knows, man? Who knows? Yeah, these games are already tape delayed too. I don't, I don't think the, the average person knows that. And I did hear somebody say, but if they put like a 30-second delay, someone's going to tweet what already happened. Well, I don't know who that's going to be because there's not going to be anybody in there to tweet it you know before you see it live on your tv you know that would be pretty uh pretty um you know unlikely that that's going to happen yeah well this is a great segue to my last question will they let keith smith in the building i mean you broke the story so maybe maybe you could be the lone media member man yeah i don't think i'm on the top of anybody's list to get to get in the building like there's there's a that, that list is probably a few hundred deep before they get to me um but yeah media is it's a real question it was you know the media world and access was changing uh pretty rapidly in the span of that last week or so before the season got shut down they had done away with locker room access uh, any interviews were being done podium style and that type of setting or with appropriate distancing there's the opportunity here that there's no media you know on site at all and everything is going to be done through um 
you know, zoom calls and that kind of like we're doing right now. It might be, you know, Hey, we've got, you know, we've got LeBron James, you know, go ahead with questions. And then you just start firing off your questions that way. That may be, you know, the way that goes, you know, moving forward, but we'll see. I I think this is all, all an evolving thing. Everybody's kind of figuring this out and we'll go. I mean, now if someone wants to invite me to come a hundred percent, I've already, you know, talked to my family, I'll pack my bags. Uh, I can uh, just about walk to the facilities from where I live. So, so I don't even need transportation or anything like that. Uh, I'll, I'll head right over. I'll jump in the bubble and quarantine with everybody for as long as it takes if somebody wants to let me in. The old ID card doesn't work for, you know, when you were <laughs> No, no, unfortunately, you got to hand that back in once you, once you uh, give notice. Did Disney keeps that place pretty well locked down. Oh, man. Keith Smith, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Let us know where we could find you. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at KeithSmithNBA. You can find my written work right now at Yahoo Sports, Real GM. And if you're interested in Boston Celtics-specific coverage, Celtics blog as part of SB Nation. Keith, great stuff. Talk soon. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Combo's Court. Punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. Big thanks to Keith for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, share this episode with a friend via social media or word of mouth and leave the keyword Disney in the comment section of your Apple Podcast app if you listen to this episode in its entirety. That's right, Disney, D-I-S-N-E-Y. Be on the lookout for episode 167, Combo Out.